You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and rock-solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. And a very fun announcement for all of you out there who've requested it. We now have every single movie and TV show we have ever discussed on the show currently on our website, RaferAndKristen.com. They are all there. They're going to be updated maybe once a month, once every other month. But we needed to keep all of those in a separate location. People have been asking, will you put them in the show notes? And we're like, no, that's a spoiler. We're not putting them in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. No, but I think that's great. Uh, and thanks, Kristen, for doing that. It's the prescription pad, as we call it here. Yes, it absolutely is. So now that we have that announcement out of the way, I think it's probably business time, huh, Rafer? I think it is business time, as Flight of the Concords would say. <laughs> so much. <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> it's actually not. It's Friday. It's Friday when we're it's Friday. putting this episode out. <laughs> uh, well, Kristen, do you want to start in with uh, our first letter from Sarah? Yes, I'll let you read this one. All right, I'll read this one. Sarah says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am a workaholic. I love work and I love working, and I have just begun a medical leave to do a treatment for a mental health disability. I get a lot of my self-worth from work, so it is tough to be A, experiencing mental health issues, and B, away from work that makes me feel valued. I'm hoping you can prescribe something that validates mental illness as a disability, or maybe something that helps reframe my mindset about work being so central to life. Either way, I'd be grateful. Mm. Sarah, I really feel this one. I absolutely do. Rafer, as you know, as uh, most people who know me know, I love to work. I yes. just adore working. I am like that Australian shepherd that everybody adopted in my neighborhood uh, during COVID. And they thought, this will be a nice apartment dog. Look at how cute it is. But it's not a nice apartment dog because it wants to work all the time. Is that true? It's trying to herd everybody. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Australian shepherds never want to stop working. I am just like an Australian shepherd. I want to herd. I want to work. <laughs> I want to dig. I want to build. 
I don't want to stop. I, I'm going to do it. Even if you put me in an apartment, everyone's going to be herded. I love it. I love working. I like external validation. Yep. I like getting an A. I like getting a gold star. Uh, I like all of that stuff. I love working. And Sarah, oh my gosh, I feel for you so much here. Yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm the same way. I'm, um, I can remember being a little bit surprised, actually, um, getting my first job. Uh, not a great job. I was a, a cook in a, uh, like a, like a casual dining restaurant. I was a line cook. I would not, Ooh. cannot call me a chef, cook. And, uh, you know, flipping burgers, you know, making toast, um, you know, putting together salads. I mean, you know, pretty simple stuff. Mop at the end, clean the grill, you know, go home, smell like a, a hamburger with a side of pickles. And that's that was my job. But I, I have to say, in a weird way, I really loved it. And I loved doing that work and showing up a little early and leaving a little late and putting in the extra time and making sure everything got done. Um, it was, you know, it was... Uh, not super challenging, I guess, but at the same time, it was my first job, and for some reason, I just, I just, I loved it. I loved, I loved doing it, which I didn't, I didn't expect. I was kind of a lazy kid. And you've been like that ever since, Reefer. I feel like you're always working on ten different things at once. I kind of am. I kind of am. So I, I so to our listener, Sarah, you've come to the right place. We, we are, we are both a couple of. Uh, I don't know if I'd say workaholics, but we're pretty, we're pretty work driven, and pretty work focused. And I do, I do know what it's like, um, maybe to identify a little bit much with your job, maybe maybe to over-identify in a way. That's the danger, <laughs> I think, right? Are you with me, Kristen? I, I, I maybe have that challenge myself. <laughs> I absolutely do. Yes. Who am I kidding? Yes. Yes. Right. Of this course. is my life. I admit it. Yes, I do. And also, I just want to also speak to the mental health disability you're going through, Sarah. I just want to congratulate you for going out and getting that help you need and taking the lead sure. that you need to because, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stigma in our world and what's allowed to, you know, be a disability and what's not allowed to be a disability. And you are taking care of you and that is nothing to apologize for. Do that. That is not making you less of a hard worker. That's not making you less valuable. It's doing what you have to do regardless of your job. So uh, hats off to you, Sarah, for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Kristen, what are you going to suggest to Sarah? All right. The movie I'm going to suggest, I have a feeling you probably hate, Rafer. Oh. Um, It is a brand new movie that just came out a couple weeks ago called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Now, the reason I think you might hate this, Rafer, is I don't think you're the target demographic for this. I haven't seen it. I have, but it's but it's. Oh, you haven't seen it. It's gotten some great buzz, and they and they 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 appeared on the Golden Globes uh, just recently. Yes. So uh, we had a little, little little guest shot from Barb and Star. I so I, luckily I knew what the movie was. If I if I didn't know of it, I would have been very puzzled. Yes. But um, tell me all about it. All right, so. Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar is a comedy starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo with Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades of Grey and Damon Wayans playing supporting roles. The film follows Barb and Star, two best friends from the Midwest, who book a vacation to Vista Del Mar after losing their jobs. Here's the moment when they get the idea for the trip. Hi! Mickey! Hi! Miguel and I just got back from vacation. Girls, I might just pack up and move there. What? Where? Where, 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 did, you where did you go? It's this tiny little oasis on the coast of Florida. It's people like us, midlifers, who still like to strut past the pool and stop the party dead in its tracks with a tube top and full jewelry. Oh, I'm not kidding. I feel like I got a soul juice. 
<laughs> there are so many gorgeous men there. We're talking Tommy Bahama from head to toe. Tommy Bahama. I'll drop off a brochure later. Oh, wow. Oh, Thank you. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd, it won't be necessary. I mean, yeah, but it'd be mm. nice to just see what it looks like. But what's the name of the place again? Vista Del Mar. Now, Rafer, this is a hilarious film. And the reason I thought maybe you wouldn't like it, but you haven't even seen it yet. But the reason I thought maybe you wouldn't like it is because it really is celebrating a woman's value and a woman's joy and women's friendships. When I I value these things. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I try to. You're right. You're right. You, you know what? I should not be dismissive of you. You are the right. person who has recommended many Diane Lane movies on the show. So okay. I, I should, you see, there you, there you go. <laughs> now, Sarah, the reason why I'm recommending it to you, though, is before losing their jobs, Barb and Star used to show up for work every single day, even on their days off, so they could hang out together and enjoy the glamour of working at the coolest shop in town. And when they lose their jobs, they're embarrassed. They don't want to tell their friends. They're not quite sure how to move forward in life. But it becomes clear to them during their time in Vista Del Mar that there are all sorts of ways to embrace life that they never even imagined, ways that have nothing to do with their work and that might just teach them to be braver. We're talking love triangles with Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades of Grey. We're talking about meeting the real-life Tommy Bahama. We're talking about stumbling into musical numbers. We're talking about fighting bad guys and even more. The film is downright hilarious. I laughed so much watching this, but I also just really appreciated it. These two women loved their jobs, but they are more than their jobs. That's very funny. And uh, listen, it's on my list of, of movies to watch because, you know, Kristen Wiig, Annie Momolo, they're the ones that uh, made Bridesmaids. Uh, Bridesmaids. Yes. Um, yes. And so this was kind of a, you know, sort of reunion reunion movie for them. And um, I was really surprised when uh, people liked it so much. Like the critics, you know, were just, I felt like it was one of those stupid comedies where people are basically saying, look, this is a stupid movie, but I can't help it. I, I, I laughed and I really liked it. And so, and I love movies like that. So it's on my list to watch. Oh my gosh. I really hope you like it, Rafer. I hope I'm wrong in predicting that you're not going to like it. I laughed so much at this and everybody in this movie I, I turned to my husband when I was watching it and said, I just want to be friends with all of these women. And then he said, you are one of these women and you're already friends with them. And it made me so happy. It really did. It was so good. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. I'll check it out. But enough about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Rafer, I want to know what you're going to prescribe to our workaholic Sarah here. All right. I, I am prescribing a um, a rather more serious film. Uh, it does have its funny moments, um, but it is far more drama than comedy. I am prescribing one of my favorite movies uh, from the last several years or so, uh, Up in the Air from 2009 with uh, George oh. Clooney and Vera Farmiga. Um, so good. Up in the Air is such a fantastic movie. It really is. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that there are a couple of laughable moments because I know you're going to give us a summary of it soon. It's just going to sound depressing, but there are some laughable moments. There are. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, that's true. They're, they're very, they very much are. Uh, so yeah, the short, the short version is George Clooney plays a guy named Ryan Bingham. He's a human resources consultant, which is basically a nice way of saying he's a professional downsizer. He goes from company to company, helping them, these people uh, lay off their employees. Um, he's very good at it. Uh, it's so good that it's basically become 
his life. Uh, he's got no relationships. He has no friends. Uh, he's fallen almost totally off the map in terms of his own family members. Um, and the basic way he measures his life is how many uh, frequent flyer miles he has because he's on the road so much and doesn't really live anywhere. And his big goal is to become one of these rare 10 million mile members on American Airline. That's that's his goal. Um, that's, that, of course, is before he meets Alex, played by Vera Farmiga. She's a road warrior as well. They meet up in different cities. They get kind of a little thing going. And uh, Ryan starts to really fall for her. And then it looks like maybe he's going to, you know, find a little something else in his life besides just a job. And here's a clip. I don't know. I just... You seem happier than all my married friends. Uh, look, Jim, I'm not going to lie to you. Marriage can be a pain in the ass. And you're kind of right. This all is just stuff that leads to your eventual demise. Yes. And we're all on running clocks, and they can't be slowed down or paused, and, you know, we all end up in the same place. Yeah. If you think about it. Your favorite memories, the most important moments in your life. Were you alone? Mm, no, I guess not. Life's better with company. Ugh, George Clooney telling us right there that even though you love your job, it's not just about your job. That's not what makes life worth living. Yeah, it's uh, and that's uh, by the way, Danny McBride is who he's talking to. You can't you can't see that out there. Uh, but uh, he's uh, he's talking to Danny McBride. I will say one thing uh, to our our listener to Sarah. I do want to say up in the air could be a little triggering, as they say, for you if you've you've recently lost your job. Much of this movie is about job loss, um, and the director Jason Reitman did something kind of interesting. He uh, placed an ad looking for real people who had lost their jobs, and then and then kind of incorporated those people into the into the movie, interviewed them, and then had them kind of sort of reenact their uh, the moment when they lost their job, and they could they could react um, the way they had reacted in real life, or they could react the way they wanted to react, and so you do get these <laughs> scenes of kind of real people being very calm, um, saying horrible things to the person who's firing them, flipping out, crying, screaming, throwing a fit. Um, so, you know, there's some there's some things in there that, you know, you might want to tread carefully, uh, depending on how sort of sensitive you're feeling. But I do think that the message here, like Kristen said, is crystal clear. You are more than your job, um, and your job will not love you the way the real people in your life will love you. And it, it really is worth... I think thinking about that deathbed moment when you are looking back at all the best times in your life. And is that really going to be between the hours of 9am and 5pm Monday through Friday, or is it going to be with, you know, people, spouse, children, friends, family, loved ones. Um, so that's my recommendation up in the air. Oh, that's a great one. We should probably watch that ourselves. Right, for... Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, those recommendations are from me, Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar and from Rafer Up in the Air. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, as always, a huge thanks to everyone who's been giving us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. For instance, Would You Like a Cup of Tea? Recently gave us five stars and wrote, British listener here, I look forward to this falling into my podcast every week. Sometimes I relate to the problem and sometimes not, but no matter, because the podcast always entertains and restores my faith in humanity. Plus, 
gives me some fun recommendations. Oh, would you like a cup of tea? That is such a sweet review. We love your name also, by the way. And yes, I know. I'm drinking a cup of tea right now in your honor. Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> I am. I love it. And restoring your faith in humanity? Wow, Reefer, look at us. I know, right? That's, uh, that's, that's no small thing. Wow, that is so sweet. Thank you so much for that review. And everyone else, stay with us. When we're back, we have someone whose husband keeps watching the same show on repeat after a family tragedy. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. All right, we're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, why don't you read this one? All right. This one is from Jennifer. Jennifer says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, when our daughter was sick and later died, neither my husband or I could handle watching anything dark. We both love musicals, and they have really been bringing us joy since her passing. The problem is that when my husband likes something, he wants to rewatch it again and again. We've now watched Newsies on Broadway six nights in a row, then Hamilton five times. I finally had the brilliant idea of starting Glee so we could at least watch something different every night. Bonus, it's generally funny and happy and made us smile. However, as soon as we finished the finale, he clicked right back to season one, episode one. What can we watch that will be musical, fun, and not drive me crazy when we inevitably watch it ten times in a row? Hmm. Uh, that is tough. And um, I guess the first thing I should say is, you know, as my condolences for uh, losing oh. a child. Um, that sounds incredibly difficult. Um, I wonder, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear that your husband is probably really going through something here. I mean, maybe this behavior that you're talking about with him um, rewatching things over and over is maybe that's just the way he is and the way he's always been. But I don't know. There does seem like something there, like he's trying to, I don't know what, um, es escape from something maybe, or, or, um, retreat into something, which I totally understand. Um, so I would guess that your husband is, is really probably having a difficult time as well. Yeah. Um, I just want to second what you said, Ray, for my heart breaks for you, Jennifer. I'm so sorry that you two are going through this. This sounds so tough. Tough is such an understatement. And I mean, I got to say myself, when I've gone through loss, I have also watched comfort things on repeat. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before. When my nana and my mom died within a year and a half of each other, I spent weeks just watching every episode of The Golden Girls on repeat again. Um, 
you know, sometimes we just need that. Sometimes we need something that's comforting and that doesn't require that much of an attention span because maybe our attention is going toward healing our broken heart. Sure. Um, Well, and, you know, I mean, like you say, um, you know, I've I've always felt that's kind of what movies are. Movies are an escape um, in a lot of ways. At least all the the movies I love the most, really, when you get right down to it – they're they're always an escape. They're always there's they they always create some little world that you feel like you can be a part of and kind of escape into. Um, so I totally understand that. Again, we are here to try and help you. We support your need to watch musicals or anything else that's lighthearted right now. And and I think we came up with a couple of good options. I'm I'm going to have you start, Rafer, with yours. So the movie I've chosen is an oldie but goodie, and one of my favorites of all time from 1964. I chose a hard day's night. The Beatles' first film, um, which I just love. I've I've been in love with it ever since I very first saw it. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I think even people who aren't necessarily Beatles fans uh, usually get at least a little bit of a kick out of the Beatles. But if you have, if you have any kind of love for them, um, this is really the movie. Um, there's not much to it. It's just the Beatles playing themselves. Uh, they're taking a train into London to hold a live concert on television. For some strange reason, Paul McCartney has brought along his grandfather, played by a very funny actor named Wilfred Bramble. And uh, the grandfather turns out to be almost as (laughs) mischievous as the Beatles themselves. Uh, And then, of course, there are all the screaming girls, the snotty television directors who want to boss them around, these creepy advertising men who want to pick their brains and find out what's fashionable. The cops are out there looking for them. Everything seems to be conspiring to keep the Beatles from making it to their studio on time. Here's a clip. Hey, pardon me for asking, but who's that little old man? Uh, what little old man? That little old man. Oh, that one, that's my grandfather. Your grandfather? Yeah. That's not your grandfather. It is, you know. But I've seen your grandfather, he lives in your house. Oh, that's my other grandfather, but he's my grandfather as well. How do you reckon that one has? Well, everyone's entitled to two, aren't they? And it's my other one. We know that, but what's he doing here? Well, my mother thought the trip would do him good. How's that? He's nursing a broken heart. Ah, oh, poor old thing. Hey, mister, are you nursing a broken heart? He's a nice old man, isn't he? He's very clean. Rafer, I just love this pick so much. And I'm just going to say, as somebody who was a nanny in another life, ah. one of the only things I could tolerate on repeat, because the kids always wanted to listen to, um, no offense if you really love that purple dinosaur, but you know they'd want to <laughs> listen to that kind of music on repeat. Right. And I early on said, no, we're going to listen to the Beatles. Oh, good for you. And oh boy, did we listen to the Beatles on repeat. The kids loved the songs, but I probably must have listened to Beatles eight hours a day, every day for a whole summer. Oh, that's great. And I never got tired of it. Yeah. And so I think Hard Day's Night is such a good pick because, you know what? This music is going to get you happy and uh, cheering or shaking your butt or whatever it is every single time you watch it. It's so fun. Totally. Um, you know, and it's 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 funny. It's, you know, it was really made as just sort of as a quick cash-in while the Beatles were hitting their peak and they were coming, they were coming to America and the film was going to be this little promotional tie-in to make a little extra money and have something to advertise uh, while they were going on the, uh, the Ed Sullivan show. Um, and the Beatles chose this director named Richard Lester, who'd done a jazz film that they liked, and he'd done some stuff with some of, the, some of their favorite British comedians. And so they hired him, and, and he really turned the film into like a groundbreaking masterpiece. It's, it's got 
what most people consider the first music videos. There's the famous one on the train where the Beatles are kind of in the middle of reality, talking, laughing, joking. There's some girls around and then sort of one by one in some magical way, instruments appear. And the next thing you know, they're, they're <laughs> lip syncing to their own music. It's, it's the first music video right there in front of you. Um, you know, the, the, the fast, jumpy uh, editing that he introduced, um, all these kind of great things to look for. There's a great scene of the Beatles frolicking out in a giant field during uh, Can't Buy Me Love. And um, the little funny secret about that is that John Lennon actually wasn't there. He just looks like he was. Ooh. It's actually Richard Lester who's holding the camera. And so when you see the camera going around, you see his his shoes. It looks like it's John Lennon's shoes, but it's not. It's Richard Lester's shoes. Ooh. So they do all these little funny, creative things. And um, Obviously, it wound up being a big commercial hit, but it was also a critical hit that landed on the New York Times Top 10. It was nominated for two Academy Awards uh, screenplay. Oh, and, I didn't yeah, know that. Wow. Yeah, George Martin's original score and uh, the screenplay, you know, and, and like Kristen is saying, it's just got all these great, lovely, upbeat Beatles songs that just n- never get old and just never let you down. So I think that's that's always a great, a great pick-me-up, a hard day's night. Great pick, Rafer. Really great pick. I love that idea. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad you like that movie. Uh, and so, Kristen, what about you? Because this is really, this is this is your wheelhouse, musicals. <laughs> oh, I love musicals. But I didn't choose one for you, Jennifer. Oh. I decided to do something a little different here. I decided on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is, of course, on <laughs> VH1, Hulu, Apple TV, and pretty much everywhere else. RuPaul's Drag Race, which launched in 2009 and has been running ever since. Rayford, do you ever watch RuPaul's Drag Race? I never do. I'll just admit it. I don't. But uh, I get a kick out of RuPaul. Who doesn't? Well, this show is such a delight. It is a reality competition show aimed at finding America's next drag superstar. Each week, the queens face off in competitions that showcase everything from their acting and singing to their comedy to their makeup artistry. And RuPaul, of course, acts as host and mentor, as well as judge. And celebrities from Anne Hathaway to LaToya Jackson uh, also come on to serve as judges. And my favorite part is at the end of each episode, the two lowest ranking competitors must battle it out in what's called lip sync for your life. <laughs> and it's exactly what it sounds like. Here's Katya and Sasha Bell from a prior season lip syncing to Twist of Fate by Olivia Newton-John with the real Olivia Newton-John serving as a celebrity judge. The time has come to lip sync for your life. Good luck and don't it up. I'm giving it my all. I can barely move in this dress, but I'm working it. I'm being funny. I want RuPaul to see how much I want this. I definitely need to make a statement. So I just try to pound my vagina into that stage so hard that the building shakes. Well, Kristen, I have to admit, that made me laugh. That's that's, that's a pretty good pick-me-up. 
Oh my gosh, it is so fun. And I got to say, the pageantry is outstanding. The talent is outstanding. And yes, there is obviously music. Uh, just as important, there are 170 plus episodes of RuPaul's wow, Drag Race. Wow, is that right? And we're currently in the middle of season 13, which means even more are coming. Glee only had about 120 episodes, so you have way more to work with here, Jennifer. And bonus, since it's a competition show, you might never watch it again. Right. You know, when it's done, there's a high likelihood your husband will not go back to season one, episode one, but just enjoy the fact of seeing who won each episode and that's it. And um, I just got to say again, lip sync for your life is the greatest invention in reality (laughs) TV of all time. It is so good. (laughs) It is so good. (laughs) That is pretty funny. Okay, well, listen, I think those two sound pretty good. Um, once again, to our listener, I hope this cheers you up and uh, and is some help to you. Uh, once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, RuPaul's Drag Race, and from me, A Hard Day's Night. We're going to take another quick break, but before we do... Are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Use that contact form at RaferAndKristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. When we are back, we will have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter. Rafer, take it away. All right. This one comes from Amy. Amy says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently watched I Care A Lot, starring the great Rosamund Pike. It was a slick, glossy, fast-paced movie about a grifter who is essentially Britney Spears' dad on steroids, (laughs) taking on conservatorships for every elderly person she can, and then using her court-ordered power to empty their bank accounts. While I admired everything about the film, from the acting to the writing to the art direction, it left me feeling angry and sad in the end. Without spoiling it for others, I'll just say that I'm now in need of a movie where everyone gets what they deserve, good or bad, by the time the credits roll. With this in mind, what should I watch next? Mm. Rafer, have you seen I Care A Lot? I have not, but I was dying to because it looked really great. I, I love Rosamund Pike. It's got Peter Dinklage, who is also like one of the greatest things going. Um, it looked funny, but I have to say I have heard critics have seemed to love it. People I know have hated it. And so I've really been on the fence <laughs> about, you know, when am I going to find the time to put this thing on? Have you seen it? Yes, I have. And I'm just going to admit right here, I'm one of the people who loved it. Oh, no kidding. Okay, great. But I'm like you. I would say most of the people I know are very split on this movie. And a lot of them felt um, the same way as Amy feels here, where they just felt like, oh, this made me feel lousier. Oh, who am I supposed to be cheering for here? Yeah, that's the main thing I got was like, am I supposed to be cheering for these terrible people? (laughs) The film kind of set it up where I'm supposed to be cheering for this person, but I don't want to cheer for this person. Um, That's what I heard a lot of from people who didn't like it. But yeah, I I don't think we were necessarily supposed to cheer for anybody. Interesting. We were just supposed to, you know, admire the film itself for what it was trying to do, which was tell a story about despicable people. You know? <laughs> I usually love films like that. So this is another reason why I wanted to see it. But OK. Uh, and, and but I also understand exactly what this listener is, is saying, I think. And I think there's a real um, I don't know if it's a divide 
I don't know, I was going to say maybe there's a divide between audiences, audiences who want a certain kind of realism or a certain kind of ambiguity, and then audiences who want, you know, essentially some kind of a fairy tale or some kind of an entertainment. Um, but I don't know, you know, maybe that's not right. You know, I, I like all kinds of those movies too. You know, I, I like I like movies that are realistic and bittersweet and tragic and all that stuff. But I also do love a great, satisfying kind of rock'em, sock'em, wrap it all up movie that does it well. It's hard to beat that, you know? Oh, yeah. It's so great when the good guys get what's good and the bad guys get what's bad. Totally. Totally. Well, so, Kristen, you, you want to you wanna tell us what you're going to recommend? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying not to laugh because even the title of this makes very clear what Amy wants and what you're going to be prescribed. It is The Equalizer on CBS. and The new one, of course. Yes. Just got rebooted a few weeks ago. This is, I believe, the third reboot of the Equalizer world. Um, well, there was the Denzel Washington. Yes, yes. And then right. there was like a TV spinoff of the Denzel Washington thing. And But it was originally a TV show in the 1980s, which, full disclosure, I never watched myself. So I can't really compare this new one to that one. But I can say it's probably better because this new one stars Queen Latifah. And Queen Latifah makes everything better. Totally. <laughs> I love her so much, as everybody knows. Um, in the Equalizer, Queen Latifah stars as Robin McCall. She's a single mother with a mysterious background who uses her, shall we call them, unique skills to help those with nowhere else to turn. People who can't go to the police, people who can't go to the FBI, they turn to Robin McCall because she's part assassin, part undercover guardian angel, and she doesn't just get the bad guys. She also gives all her clients a chance at redemption, whether it's an interview with their dream university or a bus ticket to a better life. Here's a clip. Who the hell are you? Neighborhood watch. Maybe you should mind your own business. I've tried. But it turns out I'm really bad at it. What's up with you, Mom? Out of nowhere, you quit your job last month and want to talk about it? You love traveling all over the world, being the big shot at your charity. It's complicated. <laughs> this new side gig of yours is raising questions. The company must be pretty desperate if they sent your skinny ass up here. Well, they figured you'd kill anybody else. They want you back, Robin. You're the best they had. I don't work for them anymore. I'm using my powers for good. Why do I have a feeling this is not a social call? I need your freaky-ass superpowers. One, two, three, hit it! When I can't sleep, it's not because of all the things I've done. It's because of all the people I couldn't save. I got soul! Do you really think she could help? If anyone can... It's McCall. I'm so glad that you've been the guinea pig on this, Kristen, because I saw, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I saw the advertisements and I remember the show from the from the 80s. I mean, very vaguely. I'm not going to tell you that I was a regular watcher of The Equalizer, but I remember it, you know, passing in front of my eyes here and there. The Denzel Washington movies, I thought, were pretty. Uh, there was one, maybe two. There was at least one. The Denzel Washington movie was, um, I thought, pretty so-so. And then I saw this Queen Latifah series, and I thought, I don't think I'm going there. But, Kristen, you like it. Oh, my gosh. It is so delicious. But I will just say up front, this is not high-minded. It's not arty. Like, I care a lot. Totally on the contrary. It's exactly what you expect from a CBS crime show with the same kind of dialogue you expect and the same kinds of action scenes 
that you would expect. That's right, CBS, right. That They do have a certain vibe, don't they? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, they do. They do. That vibe, which one of my friends says is for 80-year-old people in Nebraska. Completely. I don't care. I'm not 80 years old. <laughs> I am not from Nebraska. And I freaking love this show. I cheer for Queen Latifah every time I watch it. Those dumb throwaway lines when it's Queen Latifah saying them. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm like, yeah, Queen Latifah, say it. Yeah. Is it is it stuff like pithy Schwarzenegger? Like you just got dealt a full house or something like that? Is it that kind of oh, thing? Yeah, it's absolutely. Okay. All right. That's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's really great. <laughs> and the, the show can be a little violent at times, but the people who have to deal with the violence deserve it. All right. Like when Queen Latifah shoots you, you had it coming. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you know what? That's true. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that. Yes. And on top of that, it's just, you know, the warmth and charisma of Queen Latifah helping people who deserve help as well. It's not just that she's shooting bad guys. So I just want to reiterate that she truly does equalize, as her name says. I love it. All right. Listen, you're almost selling You're almost selling me on this. You're almost it's selling so me. so fun. Remember, it's not high-minded. It's oh. just fun. It's just fun. <laughs> Higher or lesser-minded than Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, well, I've never seen Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm just going to say it. But I'm presuming it's better because Queen Latifah's in it. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> but what about you, Rafer? I have a feeling you did not go with CBS Network TV here. I did not. I did not. Uh, <laughs> you know, I went, I I fell back on an old favorite. Um, you know, it's it's a movie that we hadn't mentioned before. Um, and I always, I, it, it comes to me almost any time someone writes in, this movie pops in my head and I just think like, I can't recommend that. I got to, I got to, I got to save that for some, for some other time. Um, but the movie occurs to me so much. Uh, it's the Shawshank Redemption from 1994, uh, a movie that yes, I just, of course, God, I just love this movie. It's, it's, I'm dying, dying, dying to show my kids this movie because I think it would just rivet them to their seats. Uh, it is rated R, little violent, little too intense, I think for kids, but, um, one of my favorites. It's the the great Stephen King adaptation. Uh, the story is uh, late 1940s. A uh, guy named Andy Dufresne. He's a banker, pretty average guy, happily married. But his wife one day is brutally murdered. And even though Andy did not do it, he's somehow railroaded in court. He's sent to Shawshank Prison. And this is not a nice place. The guards are brutal and corrupt. The prisoners are sadistic. Uh, but Andy does find a way to uh, make a friend with Red, played by Morgan Freeman, gets himself in kind of good with the warden by helping him cook the books for the prison and maybe launder a little bribe money here and there. And meanwhile, Andy has an escape plan. If you can even call it an escape plan, he's basically just going to dig his way out of Shawshank one little pocket full of dirt at a time. Here's a clip. In 1966, Andy Dufresne escaped from Shawshank Prison. All they found of him was a muddy set of prison clothes, a bar of soap, and an old rock hammer, damn near worn down to the nub. I remember thinking it would take a man 600 years to tunnel through the wall with it. Old Andy did it in less than 20. Rafer, I just got to confess... Almost every week, I want to prescribe Shawshank Redemption as well. I mean, it just 
it's just it's it's fun it's just it looks fantastic it looks like an old movie because it you know sort of starts out in the 1940s um so it's got that classic hollywood look which i think the director is kind of over he's overdone it a little bit i think in a way that i find really oh he does it just enough that i love it <laughs> i just think it looks great um yeah, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, um, you know, Clancy Brown, the great character actor, plays the lead guard. Oh, right. Oh, you just want to punch him. Oh, God. It's just oh, it's so good. And it's one of these movies, I think, that does something that's really difficult to do, which is it lets you know, it just it just telegraphs to you at the very beginning of the film that everything's going to be fine. And yet somehow you are just on the edge of your seat the whole time. I think maybe because... Maybe even though you know, you think you know how the larger story is going to play out, it's all the little stories inside, all the little dramas that could go one way or the other, and the movie just gets you so emotionally involved. You're so mad. You're rooting so hard for Andy to escape. Um, you hate the bad guys so much, um, and it just, it really does just have one of those perfect, perfect, perfect endings where everybody gets what they deserve and the world ends up feeling just and right and fair and you know that's why god made the movies man to give you that feeling you know yes yes oh such a good recommendation and you know what everybody else who wrote in this week you should also just watch the shawshank redemption as well also watch Shawshank. that's exactly right. everybody ever who's written into the show <laughs> just watch the shawshank redemption <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for backing me up, Kristen. I appreciate that. It, it fixes just about anything, doesn't it, Rafer? <laughs> it really does. It really does. <laughs> All right. So once again, just to recap, our recommendations from me, The Shawshank Redemption, and from Kristen, the new CBS series, The Equalizer. Oh, I love the way you said The Equalizer, Rafer. <laughs> the Equalizer. <laughs> Odds stacked against you. Uh, does she still do that? Is that the little, the little ad that she places in the paper? Oh, no, no. That's how the old one went. People don't have newspapers anymore, do they? What is a newspaper? God, that's really a good point. I'm sorry I brought <laughs> it up, Kristen. Okay, and that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Yes, it is. But don't hesitate to reach out if you need some movie therapy of your own. You can write to us at RaferandKristen.com. And of course, you can join our Facebook community. That is Facebook.com slash groups slash RaferandKristen. It's such a fun group of movie lovers and TV lovers there. We're also on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And remember, please tell your friends about our show. It really helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Weinzer. No, we're no, not. No, come on, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.